Welcome to the Speaking of Tangents podcast, a podcast furious. Look at me now, Mum and Dad. I'm all grown up into a real voiceover robot. I'm absolutely chuffed. Now, after a fortnight, I finally get to properly do my own introduction by myself. Of myself. My name is Lady Rochelle Octavia Bainbridge of Tottenham. Hey, and I'm KJ, and in this episode, we review our week by talking about the Kentucky Derby winner for a few minutes, and that quickly leads to a discussion of Timothy Oliphant and the four Chrises. And if that doesn't leave you pining away for more, Jason, tell him what's next. Who is Jason? He sounds bloody brilliant. We'll wrap it all up with feedback. Charm. All that, plus several conversational tangents. Is this gonna be on the telly? In a week, week. things happen. Yes, they do. And now we'll review. Yes, we will. Those things that happened. The things that happened. It's the speaking of tangents. Week in review. What's up this week? Whoa. Good is up this week. The horse I bet on won the Kentucky Derby. Oh, yeehaw. I guess we can say he was justified in being named the the favorite. Was that the name of the horse? (laughs) Justify. Did you bet? I'm not even going to ask that question because I know the answer. So we can move on. You know, I know why you bet on the horse. I know why you picked that horse, is what I'm saying. No, you don't. You think you do. You think it's because Justin Timberlake had an album called Justified. You think you know, but you have no idea. Is that what you think? Because of Justin's t- album? No, I thought you bet on that one because it has the best odds. That's, yeah. And because of the TV show Justified, <laughs> which I loved. Oh, okay. Here's a question. Is that Timothy Oliphant or is it the other guy that looks like Timothy Oliphant? Who in the TV Josh, show? Josh Dumel. Yeah. It's Timothy Oliphant. Okay. Which one is married to Fergie? Josh Dumel. Is it Dumel or Oliphant? Okay. Josh Dumel. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and say just from those two questions, I'm on, I'm on the Oliphant side of this thing. Cause this is like Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. Yeah. Um, who are the other ones that are like that? You're like that. Bill Paxton you know and Bill Pullman. Yes. The, well, that you confuse all the time, and that it's not that they look alike. No, Dumel and um, Oliphant sort of look alike, close enough where you could confuse them. I think, or yeah. I could. Yeah, they do, but, but like, not Paxton and Pullman. No, but it's kind of like they play the same roles, the same parts. Mm-hmm. They kind of had the well, same kind of aura, so to speak. We talked about this a while back. I confuse Chris Pine and Chris Pratt. They don't look alike, but yeah. their names are similar. So in my head, I can't. Yeah. Okay, which ones? Which ones? What? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So who's your speaking of that? Who's your favorite, Chris? Have you seen this? Like this? It's Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Evans are the four current vying oh. for the title Who, of best. Where's Saliza? I'm sorry, what? I blacked out there for a minute. and I, I heard it's like hearing the name Voldemort. What happened? <laughs> Who is Chris Evans? Chris Evans, Captain America. Oh, yeah. 
dated Jenny Slate off and on, which gets him huge points. I don't know who Jenny Slate is. She seems very cool. Um, she's an actress comedian. I'm sure you've seen her. She played. Um, you've seen Parks and Rec, right? Yes. She's um, Jean Ralphio's sister. I can't think of her name right now in okay. Parks and Rec. Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris mm-hmm. Evans, and who Evans, was the other one? Hemsworth, Thor. Oh, I think I'd have to go with if I'm getting them, if I'm not confusing them, Chris Pine. Okay, because See, Chris of, Pine just alone because of his performance in um, Wonder Woman. No, uh, the, bo- Star the Trek. movie with the guy that I always forget his name, Jeff, the dude Lebowski, the Jeff. Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. What movie were they in together? Uh, it was Hell or High Water. Just a lo- because oh, of his okay. performance that in one. that alone, I'd have to pick him. Also, he was really good in this movie with, it was a mixture of fairy tales. Anna Kendrick was in it. It's a musical, which I don't normally like, but it was a really good. <laughs> okay. He was really good you, in it. You said fairy tales, mixture of fairy tales, musical, Anna Kendrick, which are three things that are nice. Not for me. So there's no way I've seen that movie. <laughs> Into the Woods. That's what it was. Meryl Streep was in it. Yeah. Yeah. He was yep. in it. The guy, James Corden, I think it. his name is. He was in it. It was, I liked it. And Chris Pine, I think, has a lot of talent. The guy who does Inside the Actor Studio? See, I don't. James, what, what's that guy's name? I don't know. James Lipton? Oh, yeah. Steve Lipton's uh, older brother. Steve Lipton's older brother. Yes. Yes. Or uncle or cousin, I think, must be. Well, I didn't win anything, though. I, I bet on this Justify horse, but I won mm-hmm. nothing. Just bragging rights, I guess, along with other, cool. all the other people. That... So, wait a minute. You didn't actually bet money, then? Well, yes, we did bet money. See, we went to a fundraiser. Um, we've been there, I think, three times. It's been going mm-hmm. on for five years. It's, a, it's based out of Minneapolis, and it's just a wonderful event. It uh, raises money. Cool to provide support to young people in foster care um, in an age where they're nice. about to transition out of foster care to independent living. And the organization mm-hmm. in Minneapolis called Connect to Independence. Uh, one of our friends works there, and we've been going to this fundraiser for a few years. Uh, last year, or the last time I went, had too many mint juleps. Don't really remember it. This year, I stayed away from all <laughs> forms of alcohol. Uh, it takes place in a winery in a warehouse in Minneapolis. Really cool space. But nice. anyway, what you'd, you'd go in, so everything, all the proceeds went to this chair, this organization. They had a silent auction. They had poker tables, and everybody's dressed up, um, you know, Kentucky Derby hats. Kentucky. Did you wear a giant hat? I wore a fedora. See, I felt like the jockeys are, are underrepresented, so I went with the jockey theme, and <laughs> totally out of place. These people are beautiful. <laughs> you dressed up like a jockey? Yes, yes. That's all I had on it, short like, notice. We decided with a satin we were, shirt and satin pants. No, not that, not that jockey. I just wore a vest that had horses all over it, and I wore tall boots and my fedora. <laughs> it was. It, it, I felt Do out of place. You relate to the jockeys because of shortness. Size? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because they're no, like was, you're. You're like you would tower over them. Yes, I. I probably Those dudes would. are like not even like five foot tall. They're yeah. like in like. Like small bone structure. I mean, those dudes weigh like 80 pounds. very little. No, I was out of place. Well, some people didn't dress up at all, so I guess I wasn't out of place. I felt not, I felt like, okay, let's just say there's a reason I didn't take a pic. You don't see any pictures of me at this event out there in the world. (laughs) Well, you should be yourself. 
I go places. I dress the same everywhere I go. No, it wasn't that. It. I really wanted to dress up, but it was a sort of a spur of the moment. We didn't think we were going to be in oh, town, okay, and we yeah. were, and I didn't have anything to wear. But anyway, it was the people were beautiful. The people are so beautiful. I love this event just to look at the people's outfits. Like they just, all the men were wearing awesome suits and fedoras, and the women were wearing, you know, the fancy dresses, and everybody just it was colorful. My crazy aunt would have loved it. Who loves? Mm beautiful colors and style it's style i mean i know i'm not known for my i know that you think that i'm stylish like you think i'm really stylish but other people might be surprised to know that i'm not i'm not a stylistic type of gal (laughs) (laughs) so this sounds like the uh, the pictures i saw from the met met gala thing which i'm not even honestly sure what that is but i saw these pictures that people posted on twitter did you see the because like the crazy dresses and the colorful and all uh-huh, that stuff uh-huh. just reminded me of that did you see the pictures of Tom Brady and Giselle yeah and I same? saw somebody tweet about how they look like they were um, <laughs> offered parts in Game of Thrones but turned them down but only show up for the promos or something it was hilarious yeah. the funniest one that I saw that but the funny the other funny one I saw was this is like if Bell had chosen Gaston <laughs> <laughs> for Beauty and the Beast yeah yeah. That's funny. Which it did. It was a weird outfit. Brady looked weird. It was. Um, but coming back to but my let's original get back to what's point, important. I did not. Yeah. You put so you, basically they gave you. You bought raffle tickets and then you put the tickets into the corresponding bucket that which horse you thought was going to win. And then when they announce when the winner the the horse wins, then they pull from that jar or bucket, whosoever number matches the ticket wins. So you play, you pay money to to bet, but you might not win the door prize. Oh, okay. They so did that for first through third place horses. Okay, you didn't actually bet on the winning horse. You picked the winning horse. I picked the winning horse. And yes. You donated money to charity, yes. which seems like a great cause. So that's yes. awesome. Yeah, and then yeah. they, you know, in, in, everything they had beautiful, fancy food. They had delicious cupcakes. I only had one, which I'm regretting now, but. It was a, it's a wonderful event, and next year I'm going to bring it with my style. There might be a picture next year. Okay. I'm going to be ready. I, I, we'll, we'll look forward to that. And <laughs> when I said get back to what's important, I meant yes. the Chris rankings. I said Chris Pine. What's your answer? I, Chris Pine is fourth for me. Okay. Who's first? Dead last. Um, probably Pratt. Okay. I Just like because Pratt. Of He's from Rec. Parks and Rec. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Guardians of the Galaxy. He went from being a goofball, you know, really funny goofy part on a sitcom a great sitcom mm-hmm. yep. to a legitimate movie star action movie yes, movie did. star but and still is funny the only knock against him is that him and Anna Faris are no longer married or together mm. and, well, and let's not forget seems, the Michelob. seems to be the what the Michelob commercial I have no idea what you, you're you need to google Chris Chris Pratt Michelob commercial I think it's I think it's pretty funny Oh, okay. I I don't watch commercials because I don't watch live I TV I think it anymore. debuted on the Super Bowl. At the Super Bowl, I, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's when it I debuted. I was looking at, my, looking at Twitter on my phone during the commercials. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it, Of what I was watching. It's, I think it's a pretty clever commercial, cool. and Chris Pratt was pretty self-deprecating in it. I think he did a good job. I liked it. Yeah, um, so, I, I, Anna Ferris, I actually then, know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's another reason. That's a knock against him that they're divorced. Yeah, they well, well, they were married for a while, and it seemed like everything was cool. And I think, uh, I don't know, but I think he might have said, 
I'm leaving you. And I think it might have been him becoming too much of a star, which is disappointing. But I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of pulling it's that from implications. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so but, he's uh, Yeah, I'd say him, him first, and then probably Chris Evans, who's Captain America. Um, because the Captain America movies, I think, are probably overall a better subset of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. Avengers movies. And then Hemsworth, because uh, Thor Ragnarok, which I haven't seen, but is supposed to be one of the better ones. And he seems cool, and he's from Australia, so, you know. Isn't he the be... one that dated Swift, though? What? Or was that his brother? Is his brother Liam? I think his brother Liam dated Miley Cyrus. Oh, you're right. Miley Cyrus, not Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. Who was the one? I can't one... fault him for some stuff his brother did. That's true. Who was the one that dated? Uh, Is he I'm his sorry. brother's keeper? <laughs> the one that, who, which one starred in the movie um, that Ron Howard directed recently about the race cars? Because um, whoever did that uh, was I, awesome. That was, I think that was Hemsworth. I think that was Chris Hemsworth. Chris, I don't, yeah. It might have been his brother, but I think it was Chris. I know, I think it I know it's yes. a Hemsworth. I just wanted to know which one. Have you seen any of the Thor movies? No. First well, I take okay. that back. I took Second the. I saw not. Adventures in Babysitting. So, okay, he's good in the Avengers, like actual Avengers movies, though. And supposedly Thor Ragnarok is awesome. So, I'm still waiting to see that one. I should want to see those because you know I'm I'm Scandinavian. Yeah. You should definitely be more as your Thor. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt, Chris, just mainly off of. Parks and Rec alone, he would be up there. Yeah. But then you throw in, you know, um, Jurassic Park, the whatever the new, like, new. I'm yes. assuming they're going to make yeah. three of them, the new trilogy. Yep. Jurassic World, is that what it's called? And, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think are, is overrated. I don't think it's Never as awesome it. as people, people, you know, people were like, this is the greatest in a Marvel movie. No, but it's still funny and he's good at it. He play. it's the perfect part for him in that action kind of role. He always brings, you know, you know, self-deprecating humor and ridiculousness to even the action role. So we'll oh, see if he can play like any him. other part. But I definitely know. like yeah. him. He'd probably be second yeah. for me. He seems like he'd be the most fun to hang out with. Oh, he definitely would be. Which is how I do this. You know, this is how I put these guys in order. And Evan's second because he gets big points for, you know, hanging out, dating Jenny Slate, who seems like she's, she'd be cool to hang out with. And... <laughs> And the Captain America movies are good. And then, you know, Hemsworth and then Pine, Pine is last. absolutely dead last. He seems like the, if there was like a fifth and I could leave fourth open, he would be fifth. <laughs> okay. Well, we. Like maybe we put like Chris Kattan in at fourth and Chris Pine is fifth. Chris Kattan from Saturday Night Live days? Yes. He's the one, right? Yes. And I don't like him. I'm just trying to. I see that. Where would you put uh, put the, down pine? The gentleman I mentioned earlier. Who? The one where you blacked out for a minute there, Voldemort. Who? <laughs> what? What are we talking about? All right, all right. Coming up next on the Speaking of Tangents podcast is our guest segment. 
We'll play Do We Have a Guest? And the answer is, surprise, yes we do. On today's show, Chad Ewart from Washington, D.C. joins us. He'll talk about cannabis. He'll talk about injustice in our federal government. He'll talk about the TK Show. All of that and so much more as the professor holds class on future, present, and past. All right, so put your hands together, get out of your seat, stand up, get on your feet, get moving to the beat. Come on, let's do it, because you don't want to miss it. Do we have a guest on the show this week? Answer no or yes, it's a binary thing. Do we have a guest? Do we have a guest? Answer no or yes. Well, yes, we do have a guest. And yes. Yeah, and what better way to introduce this particular guest than with a haiku? Oh no. Oh. Was oh. I supposed to prepare one? <laughs> no, I I prepared it. Oh, okay. So without further ado, here's the haiku. Prompt. No. no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. That is not going by without me saying no. I figured prominent little a haiku authority, the cannabis prof. There you go. Stealing my shtick here. <laughs> and yeah. if, if you haven't guessed it yet, we're talking about Shad Ewart, or as you know, I and many other Tony Kornheiser littles know him, just Shad from D.C. Shad, yes. welcome to the Speaking of Tangents program. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm happy you're here. Yes, very much. Well, not here physically, but you know what I mean. I'm somewhere. Yeah. In voice, in spirit. <laughs> well, as I mentioned in the the haiku, I mean, let's not have you grade my haiku because that is your shtick, as you said. <laughs> it is not but, my. Listen, I'm sh- I'm sharing that shtick now with a dog. So come on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you? Hey, my- I will not have you come on this podcast and call my co-host a dog. <laughs> oh, you were talking about KJ. I'm sorry. Copper lock on fora. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I are now uh, 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 poets of the of, of the uh, uh, of the internet here. Great. Mm. Uh, my life has finally reached bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I actually, <laughs> I actually thought you were talking about Saliza. <laughs> oh, we're not going there. No. That's the last time we'll mention that. Let's move on. <laughs> as I as I mentioned in the haiku, you are a prominent little. Uh, and, absolutely. And for those that might not know what a little is, capital L, it is the, I would say, affectionate term used by Tony Kornheiser and his crew, cast of characters, to refer to as fans and fans of the podcast. Um, Shad, this is how both Jason and I met you as fellow TK Littles. So, of course, we would be remiss if we did not ask you. When did you first become aware of Kornheiser? When did or when did you start listening? Or how did you come to Kornheiser? Well, let's let's also remember that the uh, the, the term "little" does also put us in our place. And we, yes, yes true. I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> when you're a little, you're not a big, and you're not a middle. There. Uh, listen, I came to Kornheiser via the newspaper. Actually, um, I started cool. uh, uh, back uh, when I moved to this area, into the Washington D.C. area. I came to graduate school in Maryland. Uh, that would have been 1985. Um, almost immediately, I started uh, reading uh, the Kornheiser, and I believe Wilbon also had a, um, a column at that time and absolutely became a fan. So when he uh, launched his very first radio show, and I think it was 92, 
uh, and that mm-hmm. might have been yes. uh, 570 uh, a.m. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was there from day one. I was there from day one. Uh, I was not an active participant in the beginning. Um, they did have a, a semi mailbag, but the, the show was really dominated by littles that were calling in. And um, they were they were amazingly funny and they were so smart. And I was absolutely intimidated uh, about calling in. And once the door opened and it was a fax door that opened up back then, um, I I came upon the haikus. And I, 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 you know, for the life of me, I, I don't really remember why I started with them. I think mainly because the, the people that would come on the air and talk, you know, would call into the show. Um, I mean, they, again, they were so smart and they were so intelligent and they were so funny and, you know, and, and it was intimidating. So for me, the haiku was just like a nice little easy, quick way to get in there. And, um, and listen, there, it, there's something strategic about the haiku and that is, um, that it's quick. <laughs> it, you yes. get out and you're done. Um, and I, I always felt it was the most democratic form of, uh, uh, of somebody that would contribute to the show because it left room for other folks to contribute to the show. But, nice. uh, no, go all the way back to, to 1992 in the original show. And, and one of the things that I truly, truly miss about the radio show, and, and, and this started, um, you know, th- this feeling I had started actually a few years before the podcast, and that was the absolute immediacy of, of being able to fax something in or email something in and have it being read on the air almost instantly. I remember there were times... Yeah when I initially started faxing things in and it came in on an old, I was faxing it on a thermal fax and, and, and Kornheiser was getting them on a thermal fax. And he would literally, as the fax was coming through, he'd say, oh, here's a haiku from Shad. And he would read a line and then he'd have to wait and wait till the second line. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, I hope this is funny here because he certainly is, is investing something in this here. Right, there's but- no screening of it. Nice. <laughs> screening. <laughs> screening. I know not of this word screening, <laughs> um, but to, to have that impact, though, that that immediacy of it was really it really was a powerful thing. And and I miss that part. I really do miss that part of the show. Yeah, I bet. Yes. We similar we had a similar thing happen with the jingles when we went from uh, went to the podcast era, because now they don't do like next day quick turnaround jingles. Which I mean, Steve Lipton uh, did a lot of those, and that was his 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 thing uh, for the most part. But I and me and other people would jump on, like Rob would jump on that too, and Joe. And it. Um, well, I think it's not, fair to say that all of us have done a turnaround jingle at some oh, yeah, point. Even Shad yeah. one eight one eight. Let's one, eight, see seven 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 yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, but to lose that when it go into the podcast because of the screen screen speaking of screening the uh legal screening now that goes that happens yes. it's just kind of it kind of uh put a damper on the morale the you know the excitability of it and the the excitement I, of it so it's kind of I, I totally see what you mean i agree with you and, and and yeah like i said there was something powerful about it but there was also there was also something fun to come up with in that yes. right in that moment and i do think mm-hmm. it uh, uh the the current model now um encourages or supports a different type of emailer it supports a different yes. probably a different type of jingle and stuff like that 
And and that's fine. That's fine. Yep. Listen, we yeah. all have to evolve totally. on this planet and uh, and move forward. That's yes. right. It's, yeah. Back in my day, we did jingles this way. And that's kind of like, and I it becomes get off my lawn. Broken glass, and it was uphill both ways. There you go, in the winter. <laughs> now, Shad, you were actually the subject of a question in one of our quizzes a while back. Um, oh. Written by Bob Walsh. Shout out, Bob. There you um, go, Bob. Thank I, you, I think sir. The, I think the question, question was... Question love, yeah. I think the question was <laughs> something like, what do these three littles have in common? And the choices were you and Carla Corrado and I think Brad Weiss. Yes. And the, the answer was that you're all professors. But are we are professors. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. Now, you are not only a professor, but also department chair, if I'm right here, you in the correct. Department of Business Management at Anne Arundel Community College in Maryland. Absolutely. Wait, you- you look stuff up. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to do research on this podcast. I I didn't look it up. I took it from I took it from Bob Walsh's answer. Oh, okay, good. And but I actually knew I knew the college that Shad um, worked and teaches at. Yes. I already knew so that. I. So I know. Eat and it. for Eat a little it. bit of history, there uh, Anne Arundel was married to Mr. Lord Baltimore, and the two of them came oh. up on the Ark and the Dove, and they uh, settled in the Maryland area. So that's where the name comes from. Cool. Now, in, cool. in that haiku that I did read earlier, I called you the cannabis professor. So why don't you let us, why don't you fill us in and why you think I refer to you as the cannabis professor? I guess it's much better than the weed professor there. So um, uh, yes. but we should have, uh, pay attention to those syllables when we are in, in haiku. Yes, mode. yes. Um, about uh, three years ago, I started a course, um, uh, Entrepreneurial Opportunities in Emerging Markets, colon, Cannabis Legalization. No, I did not pick that name. I would have gone with Gondrepreneurship. But the nice. college did feel that it was a bit trite. Um, I thought it was good branding, but whatever. Um, listen, I had um, uh, probably about five or six years ago, I had students started asking me about the cannabis industry. Uh, they saw what was going on in, um, in Colorado, and they were simply interested in it. They're business students. They're looking for opportunities. They're looking for opportunities in fields that aren't dominated by a lot of established competitors. And boom. And listen, let's not be uh, a beat around the bush here, so to speak. But they are interested in <laughs> cannabis. So um, this was a, a a topic in my class. So it was probably about five years ago, and a former student of mine, one of my favorite students, a young man named Tyler Wells, uh, came back to visit me at the college. Uh, Tyler had graduated in about 2009, 2010. I had lost contact with him, and I found out when he'd come to visit me at the college was that uh, he had to take over a uh, farm of his father's. His father had developed cancer. His father was uh, growing artisanal lettuce out in California. And uh, while his father was fighting the cancer, uh, Tyler went back and took over the farm. And when he took over the farm, he converted it to a medical cannabis facility, uh, actually making a strain of cannabis that was particularly effective with young uh, children that have seizures. And nice. when he... Yeah, when he came back and told me the story, and I had already had students asking me questions about it, I said to him, I said, Tyler, you have to come into my class and just talk to my students. I was, I was literally teaching in about 10 or 15 minutes. And he said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm completely unprepared. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to you know, speak to them and stuff. I said, don't worry about it. We'll do it um, 
Uh, have you ever seen the uh, the TV show um, Inside the Actor Studio? I'll be James yes. Lipton, and you be the uh, you be the actor, and all you have to do is answer questions. So we go into the class, and we literally just set two chairs up at the front of the class, and I just started asking questions. How did you get into the industry? All this type of stuff. We went on for an hour and fifteen minutes, and it was absolutely engaging, and the students were engaged, and and it was just great. The class ended, and I had to split. I had another class to teach. And so uh, the, the students were still sitting there and, and talking to Tyler. And, and I, I asked him, I said, please, man, just give them five or ten more minutes. I've got to go run, teach another class. I wished him safe travels back to California. And, and I split. So I go teach my, uh, my second class there. And I walk back down the same hallway. It's, uh, it's probably an hour and a half later. And instead of 10 students sitting there with Tyler in the class, we now have about 30 students in there. And literally the light bulb went off above my head. And I said, this is it. You have found the thing that these students are interested in. So that was the genesis of the course. It took about two years to get approval of the course. Um, again, it's a uh, listen, I'm dealing with an industry that, uh, as I like to say, islands of legality and a sea of illegality. And that sea of illegality mm -hmm. is that the, it, it is illegal at the federal level. That is not right. yes. is a schedule one narcotic. And um, and that's a whole different story of why it's a Schedule One narcotic, but it is absolutely 100% illegal at the federal level. So here you have these states, you know, uh, uh, making it legal in their little islands and stuff, but there is a tremendous risk to it. And listen, I also teach at a community college. Community college funding comes from three sources: one, it comes from tuition; two, it comes from the state; and three, it comes from the county. The county and the state, they're basically conservative. So proposing a class like this, there was, uh, I, I guess, some risk to the institution in terms of its reputation. Uh, I went through the process. It is, a, it is a process to get a course approved at a college. Uh, it goes through the department. It goes through a committee. It goes through the board of trustees. And I, I went through all those things. I jumped through all the hoops. We changed the title. We changed a little bit of the topic. Um, I did in the very beginning uh, propose that about two weeks of the class should be focused on, on horticulture. I do think it is important that you understand how the plant is grown. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't like that idea. They thought we would actually be growing plants on campus. I assured them they wouldn't. But mm -hmm. Uh, again, things are a function of compromise, and the compromise was I took that part out of the course, and I, I substituted for you know the economic impact and, and job creation, which is which is all good, which is all good to talk about because that's mm -hmm. equally as important in the cannabis industry. So that's where the class started. Uh, the first time we offered the class was uh, January of 2015. And the big development lately has been that um, I am in uh, the mode of developing the first college credit bearing program for entry level workers in the cannabis industry. Right now, if you want to nice. be a medical director, um, you know, you, you can either be a pharmacist, you can be a nurse practitioner, or you can be a doctor. Well, there is a career path and an academic path for folks that would like to, you know, get one of those positions. But there's not a, 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 an academic path for somebody that wants to be a trimmer that wants to be a lab tech in a processing place or a patient care advocate in a dispensary. So my thought was, number one, I wanted to develop a college credit program that had the legitimacy of it, but also that it would add legitimacy to the industry. Um, right now, if you want to get into the industry at the entry level, 
you take courses through com uh, through companies called THCU and Oaksterdam and uh, other non-credit type <laughs> organizations, and they're fine, and they do what they have to do, but it is they don't have to go through the vetting that I have to go through to get a course and a program approved. And basically what you do is you sit in a seat for four hours, and when you're done, they give you a certificate and say, congratulations, you have passed the course. So yeah, you're basically paying them for like a regular training class, but you're going to pass it no matter what. You know, uh, I don't want to uh, disrespect them, but seat time is what uh, is what does get you to pass the course. So yes, if you stay yeah. in the course for the four hours or however long it is, yes, you are going to get the certificate. Hmm. So that's where we are now. We have uh, conducted the focus group. Um, I had about 25, 30 uh, um, uh, individuals that are in the Maryland cannabis industry, people that are growers, people that are dispensary owners, people that are processors. Uh, we had people from uh, testing labs. We had people from actually the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission, which is the regulatory body uh, that uh, um, kind of controls the industry here in the, in this, in the state of Maryland. And um, had them in the room, and we came up with a five-course program that I think is going to satisfy the needs of anyone that would like to enter into, into this industry. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Did you say that, I think you said that you, some of your first students are now graduated and out there. Did you just say 25 to 30 are out there doing work in no. the field? Uh, the 25 or 30 I mentioned were the people that were in the focus group. And yes, one of them. Oh, Okay that one of them happened to be one of my students. Yes, my students have been um, incredibly successful in this, um, <coughs> excuse me, in, in this field. Um, I, uh, my most successful student, I guess, would be Laura Toskoff. Um, her and her husband, Tony Toskoff, own Greenpoint Wellness. So they do have one of the licensed dispensaries in the state of Maryland. Um, I have students that are working in the field in, in all aspects of it. They are working at grow facilities, uh, processing facilities, and dispensaries. I have folks that are working at testing labs. And, um, and, and listen, so that's kind of one aspect of the folks that take my class. Those are the people that want to work in the industry. The other aspect are, are, are the folks that want to um, uh, start businesses that support the industry. So my basic shtick there has been, See, most of my students, if you want to start a grow facility, a cultivating uh, 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 facility, you need $25 million in your pocket. You want to yeah. start a dispensary, yeah. you need to start with a million dollars in your pocket. Most of my students don't have $25 million. They don't have a million dollars. <laughs> so my shtick tends to be with most of them, I, I call it the, the green rush. And in the and equating it to the gold rush and in the gold, gold rush, rush. Yeah. nice. Yeah, the people that made the money were not the people that found the gold nuggets. It's the people that sold the picks and shovels. So what mm -hmm. I try mm -hmm. to encourage my students to look at are what are those ancillary businesses that surround this industry, mm -hmm. and how can we take advantage of those? What's happening right now in the cannabis industry is very interesting. Um, the the grower cultivators, they're they're Henry Ford. I mean, they're really, really smart. What they're doing genetically and what they're doing in terms of production-wise is really stunning. I've seen some amazing things like mistoponics, where the uh, where the roots of the plant are, are are elevated up in the air, and there are computer sensors all over it. And it, when it notices a, a slight dip in the amount of potassium, a slight mist of potassium-infused water is is put on those roots. So. The the, oh. the the growers are just, I mean, they're smart. They understand what the deal is. And listen, they are motivated by, you know, uh, 
getting as high production level as, as, as mm-hmm. you can. So the result has been a crashing of cannabis prices. Um, I think we're seeing it first right now in Oregon. Um, I think an ounce is down to about $100 right now. And I think you're going to see this right across the, the board. Um, I think that each, uh, uh, again, the growers are Henry Ford. They're really smart. The production is going to keep going higher and higher and higher, which is going to mean that the, the, the price of cannabis is going to drop. My point being is that I think cannabis is very soon going to become the bread and eggs of, of this industry. There's going to be very little markup there. You're not going to make much money on it. So you're going to have to make money on selling the T-shirts, on selling the vape pens, on selling the stickers and all those like I the said, accessories, the stuff that right su- surrounds it. Yeah. yeah, it's the picks and shovels part of that industry there. So that's that's kind of the second group of students. So I, I would say that there's three groups of students that take my class. One, the ones that want to work in the industry. Two, those that want to be entrepreneurs and support the, the picks and shovels part of the industry. But the third group is, um, you know, and I, I know we giggle a lot when and, and people, you know, laugh and, you know, about this industry and stuff. But that third group is the one that brings me right down to uh, reality every single time. And that is the group of people that, um, for whatever reason, have have had an insufficient or ineffective response from the pharmaceutical industry for a mm-hmm. disease that either they have or a very close family member or a friend has. And they see my class as maybe one of the only places where you can get legitimate in information about the cannabis plant and how it affects the body. I, I bring in a number of doctors into the course as guest speakers, and, and there's so much misinformation out there about the plant that um, I think they turn to the class yes. as, a, as, a, as kind of a source of information. And, and listen, in, in anyone right now in my class, I've got uh, two brain cancer survivors, I've got three breast cancer survivors, and I've got about five other students whose family members are suffering from something that, again, they've gotten an inadequate response from the pharmaceutical industry, so they're, they're turning to cannabis. So for all the laughs and giggles, and, and there are plenty about the, about the industry, we are trying to create a buzz here, you know, and just mm-hmm. going to be blunt <laughs> yeah. here. But, I mean... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've heard them all. Um, nice. I, but there is, a, there is a melancholy aspect to it. I, oh, yes. I have more colleagues that have come to me and I I know of their children that suffer from Crohn's disease or rheumatoid arthritis or other things like that. And, and again, they're, they're looking for some answers. And, and, and that part is, like I said, it's a bit melancholy, but it might be the most satisfying part of, of of what I've done lately. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to point out and what you said before that the people who are growing and, and doing the cultivating are scientists. They are Henry Ford. They are geniuses in their field and it's not, you know, a bunch of guys that live down the street from you with, you know, fluorescent lamps in their bathroom. It's, uh, this is, you, this is you, a serious. You industry. can't afford to be that. It, the, the, mm-hmm. the, there's too much money invested in the industry. You have to do yes. it right. And listen, I'm dealing here in Maryland with, a, with medical only. So listen, you're growing medicine. It has to be consistent. Yes. I mean, the grow facilities are more akin to a, uh, a you know, they're, you, you'll see people in hazmat suits. And, mm-hmm. and most of the time, you're not walking in the facility because you've got pollen all over you, and they don't want that in the facility. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yes. it's, yes, it is very high tech nowadays. And, um, and that's good. That's a good thing. And I still don't understand why you mentioned that the federal government is it's still illegal cannabis is still illegal at the federal level yeah. i don't, i don't understand why they can approve all these pharmaceutical things i mean i know what, i 
part of me just thinks it's, you know, money and lobbyists. But the fact that you have so many much more addictive, much more damaging long-term drugs like the opioids that people are getting addicted to because they're giving them for pain when or something where the cannabis could and probably would be a better alternative. And that is mm-hmm. banned. And I don't I've never understood that. And well, you answered your own question. Yeah, it's yeah. the money. It's the I know, money. I, the money. It always comes it. down. I hate to it money. so much. <laughs> and the pharmaceutical Gosh. industry has done a tremendous job at, yeah. uh, at, at, at promoting their product. And listen, mm-hmm. this this plant uh, for 5000 years was medicine. It was mm-hmm. it was not viewed as recreational. I mean, uh, wherever the plant grew, and those are what are referred to as the land race strains, and the, the plant just, you know, the cap's going to cap, and, and the plant's going to plant. It, it does <laughs> what it does. And it, well, the nobody... caps are going to pin now, aren't they? The caps uh, are going to pin. Well, I hope they're not satisfied with this. They need to, yeah. to finish the deal here. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's pardon the, the interruption. Boring. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. That might be another podcast here. But listen, <laughs> for again, for 5,000 years, the plant was used as medicine. Queen Victoria used it to treat her PMS. The Romans and the Greeks both put the fan leaves on the on their um, uh, on their horses after a long ride. I mean, it was veterinary medicine. It was used to treat mm-hmm. gout. It was used to treat uh, gastrointestinal diseases. The Chinese, the Indians, again, wherever the plant was found. It wasn't until the last hundred years that this plant has been demonized and, and demonized because once again, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. I don't care if it's yeah. Stormy Daniels or, 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 or cannabis here. It has always been about the money. And a hundred years ago, you had uh, uh, Mr. DuPont and he was introducing a new product and it was called nylon rope. And the problem was nylon rope sold for more than hemp rope. Well, what do rich guys do? Rich guys get other rich guys to help them out. And uh, Mr. DuPont mm-hmm. got his rich friend, William Randolph Hearst, and he said, listen, I need to, I need to get a, 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 a nylon rope up here, and it's too damn expensive. Therefore, we need to basically tax and tariff, put tariffs on hemp rope. And they did. Uh, it was an incredibly effective uh, uh, propaganda campaign, starting with the word marijuana, a made-up word. It was meant to sound Mexican. Why? Because Mexicans were coming over the border around the turn of the century. They were bringing with them the recreational use of cannabis. Um, and you have to drive up the price of the hemp rope, demonize hemp, demonize cannabis, uh, get your friend William Randolph Hearst to write one story, and literally he would write one or two stories, uh, always about either a black man uh, or uh, uh, Hispanic males. They were either raping white women or killing white men. And it was always something particularly brutal, like with a hatchet or a machete or a hammer, yeah. none of it which was true. But if you own 500 newspapers, guess what? You just write one one story and then you have 500 people, you know, can, can get that story out there. And yeah, it's been 100 years of propaganda. And so... We're fighting that. We are Hard fighting to overcome. That. Well, it and is. And, and, and yeah. all of us in the industry, whether they are the growers or me as an educator, uh, we all consider ourselves to be ambassadors. And, and, mm-hmm. and listen, one day, one day I don't want to talk about the opioids and what about the children and all of those other kind of false arguments that we've heard again and again about this plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I was in uh, uh, Laura and Tony Toscoff's uh, dispensary, uh, just before it opened up in February, 
And we were, uh, he was showing me around, and, and they have display cases, and they're very similar to what you would see in a jewelry store. And he talked about how he had them custom-made, and he had them custom-made for a couple of reasons. One, he understood that most of his customers, most of his clients, most of his patients, they're going to be north of 50 years old. And they're not going to be able to get down on their knees and look at a really low display case or something like that. They're, they're going to want that a little higher. So he built the display cases up a little bit higher to, 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 to respond to his customers' needs. He also knew that, you know, the top of the display case was all glass and he knew that, you know, it's going to get fingerprinty and, you know, uh, employees are going to touch it. And then there's going to be the Windex bottle out and he didn't want to have the Windex bottle out. So he made the back half of the top of the case all mahogany. And, and I nice. said to him, I said, you know, that is so great. You understood your target market. They're going to be north of 50. They can't bend down, make the cases a little higher. You understood what your employees do, what their kind of general reactions are and, and, and how they work, go through their day and stuff like that. And I said to him, Tony, one day, this is the kind of geeky stuff that us marketing people who understand target markets and things like that and management people, that's what we want to talk about. Not, yes. you know, oh, but what about the children? So, yeah. but <laughs> I believe, you know, once you get in this industry, like I said, you become an ambassador for the industry. And uh, that's a role that, you know, while it does become tiresome, uh, I understand why we have to do it. Yes. Yeah. You just, you just in a few sentences demonstrated the good marketing versus bad marketing, which ding, is, ding, ding. yes. And that is the people behind it and their intentions and their agenda. And, you know, if you ever listen to our podcast, I rant about that quite a bit because when you use marketing and advertising to take advantage of people or to poison people or to, you know, control them, that's, I hate that. Or you're just out for the money. I hate that when you use marketing and advertising to look at the, you look at your customer base and figure out who the audience is for your product or for your service. And then you, you appeal to them and you work for them to help them to, which is also going to make you money. Uh, that's that's the great part of it, and so that's that's a perfect illustration of that. So that was that's awesome. Yes. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad I, I fit right into your wheelhouse there with that. But you know, oh yeah, that, totally. That's that's my point about the industry as well is that there's plenty of money to be made there, but you can do it in a way that is, you know, that is ethical, that is and, and yes. helpful right. as well. And, and again, uh, uh, there is even though we don't do any um, uh, human testing here in the United States because of it being a Schedule One narcotic. Um, we do know that it is working, and um, there's some amazing stories out there. The Charlotte's Web story of a little girl from Virginia that was having 300 grand mal seizures a day, you know, mm -hmm. knocked it down to one a month. They've got her, a strain for the young girl called the Charlotte's Web. Um, but you know what's wow. sad, though, is the fact that her and her family had to move out to Colorado because the reality right now in America is that our access to medicine, uh, especially cannabis, is limited by our zip code. And to me, that that seems yeah. crazy. That, yeah, that is nuts. That is absolutely nuts. And it has pushed people into illegal growing on some levels, but it's also pushed people to, 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 to leave and, and move. And there is a whole neighborhood out in Colorado called Neverland. And it is a group of parents whose children, most of them were suffering some, from some form of seizures, have had to move to Colorado simply to get access to medicine for their kids. And that... Yeah. That seems a, a, stunning that yes, one would have to wrong. root their entire wrong, life yes, just to take care that. of their children. And think about yeah. the people who cannot 
because of the situation they're in economically or where they are, right. they, they just can't do it. Can't you know, yeah. uh, well, maybe they can't afford to move to Colorado from you or, know, or Texas they, or Georgia. Or if wherever. they do it, 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 it puts such economic stress on their lives. But you know what? Yes. You'll do whatever it takes for your kids. A hundred percent. I don't They'll care. Do legal, illegal. If it's helping my kid, I'm, I'm doing whatever it takes to help them, there especially in a situation like that when they're having seizures or a medical issue or pain. I am, it's there's nothing that I'm not willing to do. I mean, um, that doesn't as long as it hurts somebody else, I'm I'm doing it to help my kid. Uh, I'm with you 100. percent So uh, I completely and totally uh, mm-hmm. adhere to the tenets of the Dallas Buyers Club without saying anything yes. else than that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that at the risk of asking a stupid question, or um, we talked I about that's Col- all we did on this podcast is ask each other <laughs> dumb questions. Well, I'll give you a stupid answer then. Okay. <laughs> so Colorado and now Maryland is has legalized medical marijuana. Is there? Uh, what are the other states? Are there any? Well, there are 29 states out there that have uh, 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 medical. I actually think mine is one of them. Of them have full legal uh, uh, adult use cannabis. So Colorado has both. They have both. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, for recreational use, now it's referred to as adult use and um, uh, and medical use as well. Uh, the other states, I'll, I'll miss a couple of them here, but California just went on board. Um, uh, on January 1st with recreational use, um, which is a little bit of an outlier. Uh, uh, The pattern we generally have seen has been about two or three years of medical, and then they go to recreational. California was the very first to have uh, medical cannabis, and that was 1996, the Compassionate Care Act, and that was driven by the AIDS crisis. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the other things we know about cannabis is that it, uh, it, it, it does give you the munchies. And listen, one of the most important things when you're fighting any disease is that your body be strong enough uh, to, to fight that disease. Uh, one of the doctors that I have in my class, Dr. Deborah Kimless, and she's absolutely a leader in this field, you know, and she has about 200 patients. She takes uh, a pro bono um, and they are the worst of the worst and in the, in the desperate la- last stages in, in many cases of their lives. Um, but you know, it's, um, we, we do know that it helps with munchies and, and, and her whole deal is that, that your body is probably the most effective tool to fight diseases. And so she wants you in balance right from the beginning there. And, and listen, part of being in balance is keeping your weight up, you know, and, and, and diseases like AIDS or HIV, you know, where you suffer from anorexia or cachexia you know, or wasting syndrome or something like that, you need to get your, uh, uh, your weight up to help your body fight the disease itself. But um, there, yeah, there are nine states that have it uh, available recreationally. Uh, uh, here in the District of Columbia, we have it available recreationally, except the only thing is we don't have dispensaries here. We have medical dispensaries, but we don't have uh, recreational dispensaries. We have a strange little, what we call a gift economy here. So people go and buy a t-shirt for $40 and then they get three grams of cannabis. And then when they leave the store, they hand the t-shirt to homeless people who stand out in front of the store knowing that they can get a free t-shirt. Um, so it's a strange little world here in DC, wow. but in most places they have established a, a dispensary. And if you're above the age of 21, uh, you can go in and you can go purchase it. And I, I think that's the, you know, in terms of, I'm 54 years old, and I've seen two huge social changes, and both of them have occurred in the last 10 or 15 years. The first has to do with gay marriage. Um, from 
oh my God, to please leave them alone. Let them love is hard enough to find. And the other is with mm-hmm. respect to cannabis. And I think cannabis has moved, and very rightly so, uh, from a, a place where it was lumped together with cocaine and heroin to now a place where I think it is appropriate, and that is with alcohol and tobacco. I, yes. I do think you mm-hmm. should be 21 years old to buy it. I do think you should understand that there are risks to it. It is addictive, uh, not as addictive as alcohol. Alcohol is about 11% of uh, uh, people who use alcohol get addicted. Cannabis, about 9%. About uh, 30 40% of people smoke a cigarette. Opioids, you don't even want to hear those numbers. They're mm-hmm. incredibly scary. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think people should be 21 years old to buy it. I do think they should understand the risks of, of, of using cannabis. But I, I, I believe, just like uh, alcohol and tobacco, that it should be available to folks. Absolutely. Now, do you think in our generation's lifetime that the federal government will make it legal for, like you said, adult use? Absolutely, 100%. Um, okay. I believe it'll happen relatively quickly here. Had um, had perhaps Bernie Sanders been president right now, yeah. we, we, yeah. I wouldn't. Ha- I'd, I'd be talking about uh, uh, you know uh, display case t- uh, heights and and, and, and the use of mahogany <laughs> out there, and, and we would be past all yes. of this. Um, yes, yes, I, I do believe for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, uh, take Colorado for example. You got two hundred million dollars that's flowing into the Colorado budget right now. You're just not going to take that money away. Uh, number yep. two, in Colorado, you got eighteen thousand people that have full time jobs that have been created by this industry. I mean, full-time jobs. We're talking benefits and, you know, medical, all that thing, uh, you know, and you're just not going to take that away uh, uh, from these states. So, number one, I think that the, the toothpaste is out of the tube, uh, and mm-hmm. you just can't get it back into it. Um, number two, uh, uh, the current uh, occupant of the, of, the, of the White House right now, I do believe is a very transactional person, and I do believe at some point, Somebody is going to walk into his office and say, listen, if you tax and regulate this in the same way we're taxing and regulating alcohol and tobacco, this is the big number that you're going to get. And that number is going to be really, really big. And I think he's going to say, you know, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the third, go beat up on somebody else for a while. Leave the leave the cannabis people alone here. So I I do within. I, I would say within five years we could see it. Um, what would be mm-hmm. most important to do uh, in the short run would be either to deschedule or reschedule cannabis um, as a Schedule Two or Schedule Three or uh, even Schedule Four uh, uh, narcotic. That would free up number one uh, money in the industry. Uh, right now, the the cannabis industry has very very limited uh, access to the banking industry. Um, there are some. Oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some issues involved with uh, tax accounting that are a function of the Schedule One narcotic. But if that was changed, that would really help out the industry a lot. People could invest in it. Uh, uh, companies could get loans. Right now, uh, it, it is only people with basically personal wealth. The, the one grower in my county, I, uh, his $25 million facility, that came out of his pocket, uh, which mm. in and of itself is limiting. Um, you don't have other folks that if you don't have $25 million in your pocket, you can't get into that industry. So yeah. if you allow people access to the banking industry to get loans, then you can increase the sure. diversity in the industry. And I think that's important as well. I would like so when, to see all that happen. And then I would like to see them go back and commute sentences on people who are serving prison absolutely. terms for yeah. um, distributing and selling marijuana. 
Uh, something about that. that that's a, that's a guts to situation here. Uh-huh. That's um, actually one of the areas I'm really interested in and want to do some writing about. And that's kind of the what I would call the latent racism in this industry. Um, yes. Listen, one thing we mm-hmm. know about cannabis usage is that it, it, it is equal across races, across socioeconomic strata. It, it is absolutely poor Chinese families, poor Hispanic families, poor white families. They all smoke at the, and consume at the same rate. But the, the problem is, is our criminal justice system. And right now in America, uh, even though we know usage is, is, is identical across races, if you're a young black male, your likelihood of getting arrested for cannabis usage is four times higher uh, than it is if you are Hispanic, Asian or white. Um, that's absolutely an issue. And it then creates this situation. If you have the regulatory body saying, well, if you have a cannabis arrest on your record, you can't get into this industry. Well, that's where the racial part comes in, uh, yes. because we know the criminal justice system is absolutely, um, uh, uh, uh screwing over our, uh, our, our, our black citizens here in America. And if you totally. really want to go to a bad place, uh, do not smoke marijuana. If you are a young black male in Chicago, because there's about a 10 to one chance that you're going to get arrested there. That, I mean, what, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What? Yeah, it is. It is. But this is what we're dealing with. But, uh, you know, yes. and again, being an ambassador of this industry to me is shining the light of truth on these things. And let's see these things and let's talk about these things. And part of that then is, is exactly what you said. We need to go back and expunge these records. Yeah, because anyone who is a rational human being who has a thought in their head and is not racist looks at the facts of what you just stated and is like, oh, yeah, we can't let this. This has got to stop. We have to go back and fix as much as we can. And moving forward, we cannot keep doing this. And it just, when you put it like that, it's just like, I mean, come on, what are we doing? It's a long list of we got to fix in this country, ain't it? Yes, it is. It's a long list, man. But I'm trying to fight it on at least my little part. We're yes, to do it. Part. Trying to do my part, what I can do, if even it's super minor. Yeah, it's just yeah, if no, everybody did that, it would make a big difference. And for us, it's use words like cannabis. Don't use words like weed, pot, and dope. Uh, mm-hmm. I tell my students, you know, I I appreciate the the uh, idea of personal freedom and stuff like that, but I think you should get your hair cut. Um, because if yeah. you're dealing with folks in this industry, or you're dealing with folks, maybe that you're begging for money for for this industry. If you got hair down to your ass crack, they're not going to listen to you. It's, so it's, uh, is yes. that right? No, I wish it wasn't no, that not. way. Yeah. I, uh, on that Marilyn Krabs uh, 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 podcast that I did, uh, one woman said, "Well, one day I want to have, I want to be able to tattoo across my forehead. I like to smoke weed." And I was like. Well, first of all, you shouldn't be tattooed <laughs> across your forehead, but no. I understand your sentiment. But we're not there right now in America. Uh-uh. Yeah. We're not. No. We're not even close. So again, don't use words like marijuana, pot, dope, weed. You know, we use cannabis and things like that. And that was a uh, that was very interesting when I was on the Andy Poland uh, radio show. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you never know what the first question is going to be on a radio show and stuff. And, and his first question was, so you're talking about this cannabis stuff. How does that differ from marijuana? And I had to explain, <laughs> well, it's just the Latin term of it and stuff. But, you know, again, uh, uh, as an ambassador, I'm trying to educate. Awesome. Yeah. Um, one more question. Uh, speaking of, you know, using slang terms or... Um, I guess that would be what it stereotype slang terms. Mm-hmm. What you know, the most common way that people think of 
getting that that cannabis or the THC into the body is just by smoking. But you mentioned vaping. I'm assuming that maybe there's a pill form now. Or what are the different ways to ingest There's like medical? oils and stuff too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But there's um, a lot, right? I think the, uh, the the actual smoking of the flower, the bud itself, is going to be um, it's going to find a spot, but it's not going to be a very big spot. I think in Colorado, uh, for the very first time, uh, all other methods of ingesting uh, uh, exceeded 50% for the very first time in the last couple of months here. So you can vape it. Uh, you can process it, and these are the folks that are, are extracting the THC, CBDs, and the other compounds out of the plant, and they are putting it in oils, and those oils can either be uh, infused into foods, uh, they can be vaped, um, there are transdermal patches, there are pill forms, there are creams and rubs that there are available, there are sublingual tinctures, tinctures are the, the methodology that um, uh, Queen Victoria used, put it underneath her tongue. Uh, mm -hmm. There are buckle sprays, buckle is uh, uh, spraying it on the inside of your cheek. Um, there are a lot of um, uh, capillaries underneath your tongue and inside your cheek, so it's a really good way to get the, the medicine into your body. And these ways also are important because um, you can control dosage much easier. Listen, if you yep. roll it up in the form of a joint and, and you take a hit off of it, how much did you get in your body? How much of it escaped through the end of the joint that didn't even, you know, that, mm -hmm. that came off in the term in the form of just smoke? You know, that's a really ineffective way to to ingest it. So um, I believe that there the the other methods, uh, just almost out of convenience, are are going to uh, uh, have a greater role than the bud itself. But I will tell you, in the last few months, though, uh, I I have seen something interesting with the growers. And there's kind of, um, it's like in the wine industry, where you, you, you t uh, people will talk about, oh, the terroir. I can taste the, the, the flinty slate of the, of the south-facing yeah. loaf there. <laughs> so, it has an oaky texture. Absolutely. So with the hydroponic or mistoponic growing, you're basically only getting the flavor of the plant itself. So there are now this kind of, artisanal growers out there that are trying different mediums to infuse different flavors into the plant by the medium itself. So I think there will be a small market out there for, you know, the people that still want the form and the bud form and the flower form, but they're going to be looking for something different now. It's not going to be just for a long time in the, in the, in the recreational world, it was just bang the THC as high as you can possibly get. And listen, the plant, you can only mm -hmm. get about 30% out, out of the plant. That's the highest THC from the, from the flower form. The concentrated forms, you can get it much higher, obviously, but you lose all that flavor and that taste there. But I think there is going to be a kind of small market out there. And I, I think the way to think about it is perhaps maybe the, um, uh, the beer industry where you're going to have some big growers out there that all, you know, oh, yeah. and this is in the future when, when we have federally legal uh, cannabis here, you'll have the big growers out there that are able to push the price down to, you know, $100 an ounce, and it'll be fine, it'll be decent, it'll be Budweiser. But then you'll have the craft growers out there, and that will be the, the, the pumpkin spice ales and all of those kind of unique things that, that folks are trying out there. And I think there's going to be a market for that as well. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's the perfect illustration for it, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned vaping, and before you mentioned about you know you got to cut your hair, you know got to take it serious if you're going to get into this industry. I would be a lot more into the vaping if it wasn't for the 
seemingly rampant, immature side of the vape vape life, vape culture. You know, every vape store is named something, you know, ridiculous. And it just seems like, come on, man, you ruined it for me. Well, uh, you know, listen. And I know that's not everybody, but no, and it's not. And that and that kind of is in the e-cigarette area. This 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 kind of idea of oh my god, I want to create the most amount of vapor as I possibly can. I yeah. tell you, in the <laughs> cannabis world, they're not letting that vapor escape. They're holding that stuff in their lungs as long as they possibly can. <laughs> uh, yep. In the cannabis world, that's called wasting it. Nice. Good. <laughs> Well, we're, let's shift gears for this final question. But I guess it's, I guess, somewhat tangentially related. Um, yeah, nice. I like that. Yeah, every, every guest on this podcast, we end up asking them about food. They get a food question. Uh-huh. And usually it's about food or I guess you can use the term food lightly. But um, usually it's about something we've food been talking products. about lately. The latest talk is about cherry cola Oreos. Would you buy them? Would you eat them? Have you had them? I have Do you not, like Oreos? I have not had them. I have not seen them. I would eat them. Uh, I mean, listen, I'm pro cookie. Um, okay. So, yeah, I am too. Yeah, I, that's good. I, I, I'm pro donut. I'm pro cookie. So uh, hell yeah, I'd go for those bad boys. Now, is it the, <laughs> is the cherry cool on the inside or is it the cookie part? Well, what it is, is for, I have not had it, but what from picture form, it's a half and half cream. So half red, half the traditional white cream. And then they infuse popping candy, like Pop oh, Rocks. I maybe to simulate the carbonation. I don't know. That's my guess. There you go. No, hell yeah, I'd try that. I'd, you know, listen, the, the cookies <laughs> are good. We should have more cookies in our lives and stuff like that. Even though I that, agree. It, but I'm not eating these. <laughs> level here from my doctor, and I probably shouldn't have as many cookies as I do have. But you know what? <laughs> Every once in a while, yes, I would try the cherry cola cookie there. I appreciate that take because Jason and I are both highly anti-combination cookies, except for I enjoy the mint Oreo. But um, there are people out there that love all these combinations. One of my friends just texted me last night and said that they tried the candy corn Oreo, which I think has to be awful, but whatever. Well, I don't like candy, candy corn. corn. So yeah. That sounds weird. But you know what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Back on board. Right. I'm not saying I'm going to commit to it, but I'd be You'll willing. try it. Yeah. Absolutely. 100. Nice. Okay. Well, that's how I feel. I would try the cherry cola Oreos. I just don't think I'll like them. All right. Um, well, Shad, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most over Jingle Fest weekend is Jingle Golf, for which mm-hmm. you are the organizer. And I'm sure we'll have a great time, and I look forward to seeing you then. It'd be awesome. That'd be great. Listen, I'm looking forward to it myself. I actually got out on the uh, on the driving range yesterday for the very first time. So uh, uh, starting to smack a few balls around. And uh, listen, it was I, I, I thought last year was just... I really enjoyed myself. Uh, it was nice to to be able to have a more relaxed conversation with folks and stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, I am looking forward to it myself as well. Yes, and thank you for all your work with that, and I cannot wait. I don't, I'm not sure how much work I've done. If, if, if you read Gary's email there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll get it together. Don't worry about it. We'll have something to do on on, on Friday the the twenty second. All right. Oh, yeah. Last year, last year was join great. us on Friday the twenty second, probably around nine thirty in the morning. Uh, Shed from DC at Gmail. Drop me a line, and uh, we'll get you into one of our foursomes there. Awesome. 
Or they can hit you up on Twitter, which is at Shad from DC. That'll do it. That'll do it as well. All right. Cool. Thank, and thanks really so much for joining you us, Shad. Educating us today. Hey, man, you guys are great. And thanks for having me on. And, and like I said, uh, you, you jump into this industry, you become an ambassador. So anytime I have a chance to yak about it, I, I appreciate it as well. Awesome, man. Thank great. You. Thanks. Why, hello, hello, hello. This is Lady Rochelle, a.k.a. Young. Fancy meeting you here once again. Aren't you sweet for staying tuned just for my little segment? If you'd like to send us feedbacks, it's something called Speaking of Tangents at gamel.com or if you prefers, at Speak Tangents on Twitters. Well, I'm off to Bedfordshire. Now that it's no longer monkeys outside, I need my sleep for all of the outdoors activities and whatnots I have planned for walkies tomorrow. I need my beauty sleep. You wanna join me? Wink wink, nudge nudge. Oh, sorry, that was supposed to be under my breath. But I'm a robot and don't have delicate control over the volume of my vocalization unit. Nor breath. Do we have any feedbacks this week's? Why, yes. We, we had a lot of feedbacks this week. Um, we, we try to just pick out five to ten feedbacks each week to avoid having the feedbacks segment go 20, 25 minutes or more, but it doesn't always work out that way. That so we've got about ten, and, you know, I know we're running a little long, but not we're not too bad. We had a great, great uh, segment with Shad, but mm-hmm. let's, not, let's not try to ramble on after every single one of these like I normally do. Maybe. I know you're talking about me. You don't have to hide it. No, we both I know. Ramble. I know. We, you and I both mm-hmm. ramble. It's speaking of tangents. Mm-hmm. What's um, the feedback? Let's turn to Twitter. This is the first one is probably the shortest feedback we've ever gotten. So that's good. We're trying to keep it short. Uh, from well, Young I Stat Man. Is it more than zero characters? <laughs> that's true. It's, it's two characters. Be, well, then it's it's two more than the least number we've ever gotten because people that didn't send any at all is the zero character. Yeah, so, so that's sort of that's semantics, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from Young Statman at Luke Overby. Tweets us this word, no. <laughs> that's period. It. There's a period in there. Yeah, three characters. So three characters. Plus, he put like the tags. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, (laughs) fourteen, which is the space. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, another space, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one, thirty two, thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, thirty six, space, thirty seven. 38, 39, 40. So it's 40 I, characters. I'm amending my statement. Yes, it, it was you I was talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so 40 character feedback. So it's, um, I think, it's relatively short, though. Now, I don't know exactly what Luke's talking about, but I think he's talking about my request to 
<laughs> it's 100% what he's talking Look about. Into. I knew immediately what he was yeah, talking about. so did I. So did I. We have a QE tweet. Well, I should say we have a tweet about QE. Okay. Matthew Vogel at Vogel Matt. My first QE happened when KJ said that it's a small world. You didn't sing the song, but since I'm going to Disney World tomorrow, that song will be stuck in my head this week. Mm-hmm. That is QE. I'm sorry for him. Yeah. Eh. Coincidence. I don't know. I think that's QE. Okay. We didn't talk about Disneyland, Disney World. Anyway, I did not sing that song last week on purpose because I didn't want it in my head all day. There you go. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, the last tweet was about QE, but also about earworms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got a couple more here for about the earworm discussion we had last week. Al Pool at Al Pool 33. I had Bohemian Rhapsody before mentioned on the pod. Hashtag earworm. So he's with us on that. Cool. Yep. That's a good one. Um, John Fitzpatrick at Fitzjohn P. I could live for the rest of time with E, W, and Fs. Um, and I add parenthetically, I think that's Earth, Wind, and Fire. You are correct. That's the way of the world. Or John mm-hmm. Hyatt's Feels Like Rain. Or Mozart's Jupiter's Symphony playing as hashtag earworms continuously in my head. Yeah, very cool choices. Mm-hmm. Feels Like Rain. I love that song. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I know that's the way of the world. Uh, you farted, I bet. But I know, um, I, I pretty much, I'm right on in line with Fitzpatrick's normal choices for music, so I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to love all, I like all three of these songs. Yes, he has very excellent taste in music. Yes, he does. Brad Weiss at One Brad Weiss says, this is the earworm you don't want to be stuck with for the rest of your life. And he included... Uh, an article from <laughs> yeah, WashingtonPost.com. A cockroach <laughs> crawled into a Florida woman's ear. It took nine days to get it out. That's the headline. There is nine no way. Days. Yeah, nine days. There's no way I'm reading this article. <laughs> nope. <Not>. Nope. <laughs> Rob tweeted about the the catcher who got um, hit in the growing with the foul the growing with the foul tip, and he had to have surgery. Yeah. And he's out for like twenty days. Yeah. And he's like, there's no way I'm reading this after this headline. And mm-hmm. I'm applying that to this, too. It's yeah, nope. no way. No way. Uh, I don't want to have nightmares like Jason's wife after the con. Uh, yeah. Wrath, Wrath of con. The Star Trek. Yeah. 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 She, as she was listening to it before I even, before I even got to the part where I mentioned that, mm-hmm. she's like, this is immediately what I thought of. And it was, I was exactly right. So. <laughs> Funny. Um, on the public proposal stuff we talked about last week. The, you know, the one Just on say the no. golf course. Mm-hmm. Jolene Wojcik at J-M-R-W-O-J-C-I-K. Quote, live under par, unquote. Campaign wants fans to share their love of the game inside and outside the ropes. Energy between fans and players. Probably why they use the hashtag. And I choose to believe they love each other and love golf. Two exclamation points. Not just going for attention, Jason. Okay. I have two comments on this. Yes. Of which I believe I actually sent back to her on Twitter. Yes, I both of those can be true. They couldn't they can love golf and each other and also be going for attention. Uh-huh. Which yeah. she was true. like, yes, yeah, we, true, we came yeah. to an agreement on that. But also I am all for like sports and companies and whatever doing like campaigns to, you know, take the game inside outside, you know, love of the game, all that stuff. Which mm-hmm. she said, which was yep. she said it very nicely. Um 
I think live under par is a poor choice for a slogan to market this is my, my only point. Yeah, it, well, if you're not a golf person and you don't understand the rules of golf at all, I mean, you can see why they're doing that because it's golf. So they're playing off of the terminology of golf. They're but trying to, to be me, cute and clever and yes, it's not yes. well done. But to me, like we talked about last week, under par, I also I think about that as being subpar. It's yes. a subpar performance. In, in, Live under par. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're telling me I should be dead? What are you, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> it's very much like I do a lot of creative stuff for a living, and people ask my opinions on this kind of stuff a lot about branding, and I throw it out there, which is one reason why I'm so anti-greed-based marketing like we talked about with Shad, which mm-hmm. is the basically, you know, there's awesome good creative stuff in marketing out there and that in advertising and that's necessary and important and good and can help people and blah 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 but when it's done just for greed or when it's done poorly the creative side of me goes you could have done better than that come on what are you doing yeah. that's why you so, yeah, have a problem with done. vape places <laughs> those vape places grape you know it's the <laughs> there's some here in Georgia I can't remember what they're called now but it's it's always a pun and like we've talked about before, I appreciate good puns. I think good puns can be clever and funny, you know, and you wink, wink, you know, nudge, mm-hmm. nudge, all that yep. stuff. But poor, lazy puns, I am not into. And all of these things around here, these vape shops, are named some dumb, you know, thing off of vape for their store. And I'm like, just quit. You're making yeah. this worse. You're, ma- you're driving away business of people who want, don't want to be, <laughs> yeah, dude. No. Just uh, uh, I can to let that go. I can let that go. It doesn't. It's not going to stop. If I wanted to go, like, welcome to delicious. Yeah, that's kind of lame. But I. It's not going to stop me. Oh, from, this. It's. It, I don't oh, let no, that it's far get worse in my way. This. These. These vape places are far worse than that. I wish I could think of some names of some of them now. It's terrible. Yeah, but I'm just saying that I would not. I would not choose to not. Uh, frequent an establishment. Based because I thought their name was dumb, I'd let it go. Oh, I if I totally like the would. product. There's no way. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much I like the product. I'm not going there if they make poor choices in brands and marketing and names. Yes, I, I names I, are important. I believe that. I believe that it shows me how creative you are, and if you're not going to take the time or the effort, or you don't have the ability, and you don't understand, and you're not aware or self aware enough to know that you don't have the ability to come up with a good name, and you don't go to an outside source who ha- who can help you with it, or someone who is creative then why would I want to give you money for, because you're probably going to apply that, you know, either lack of self-awareness or poor choices, poor decision-making to the rest of your business. So certainly if it's some, uh, you know, a restaurant or something I'm going to put in my body that could, you know, poison me, because you know how I am about that. Why would I, you know, want to subject myself to that? Well, but the flip side to that is that those people probably know that those names aren't the greatest names, that they're kind of stupid and they don't care, but they know that that will attract attention. By you're attracting the, just the wrong the name kind of, of attention. The, but they don't care, remember? They don't care about as no, long as they make money. They're, they're not making money, is my, is my, you know. They're not making money out of this. you, but most people I don't think would care that much. And they would still frequent it if they wanted the product. Look, it's exactly what Chad said. It is quit, you know, being. Quit marketing to the stereotype and quit marketing to the the immature, you know, college bros, age mm-hmm. people. Who and this is not a, just an age. There are people that are my age and your age and older that are, you know, still college bro mentality. Um, uh, Voldemort, one of them, but uh, partially. But the thing is, 
if you want to have be actually legitimate business and really thought of, you know, as you know, whoever wants your product can come here and doesn't feel like, you know, I can't go there because this is the this is for dumb, immature idiots. Yeah. And so you should think about that. And if you're not smart enough or you don't care enough to think about that, then why should I go to your business? That's just yeah. my thought on it. Yeah, I understand your your point. I'm just saying that I don't let it affect me if I really think that the product is good. Maybe they made a mistake, fine. But and I think some of them are trying to attract if they if you come up with a what you think is a clever catchy name. It's just one other person's opinion that it's not a good name. So they might think that they're getting the majority of people in because their name is clever, catchy in their opinion. I'm not saying it is. I don't even know the names of these vape stores we're talking about. I'm just saying that I'll look I'm not going to let some it research and me. look up some of the worst ones or some of the best ones okay. for next time and, and let you see, let, let you see that, you know, I'm right. Okay. And I, I don't know that I would, <laughs> I really I wish you would stop rambling after all these, every one of these, I know, <laughs> you, right? get, you get off on these tangents, you know, <laughs> Brendan in Jersey at Brendan in Jersey. What about a fake stadium proposal as a prank? And he mm-hmm. he included this video, I think prank war, the infamous Yankee pranky. How's that for a pun <laughs> for you? Did you watch That's, this video? No, I did not. I, I watched it, it and I thought it was too mean. Basically, was it like they really were trying to trick somebody? Yeah. So this guy and his his friend he this his friend and his girlfriend were at the game at the Yankee game. This was a while back cuz they all had flip phones. And uh my dad this had other a flip guy, phone. I mean, <laughs> that didn't mean anything. Well, they were young kids with flip phones. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it wasn't last week. You're um, probably correct. But the other guy was a friend of the the guy, the dude that was there with his girlfriend, and he set up this elaborate prank. He paid $500 for a scoreboard proposal. And um, it said, let's say the guy's name with the girlfriend, let's say his name was John and her name was Jess. And it said, Jess, I love you. Will you marry me from John? And they would they would show the the other dude the guy that set them all up in a different section of the park he was watching with he was watching his friends with binoculars and then when that came on the, you could see there was another guy filming next to them where they were sitting and you could see that the girl was like oh my god oh my god and he's like i didn't do it i didn't do this i didn't do this <laughs> That's so funny I, to me. I I think the setup, I think the idea is funny, but I think mm-hmm. it was a little mean to go through with it. But I also wonder if it was staged, and that's Probably. I think it was because they showed the girl then slapping the boy in the face, and yeah, his reaction to the slap looked like a poor Bruce Lee fighting yeah. scene. Yeah, it's fake. Um, but um, I thought you, I thought it was going to be that. The boyfriend put did it and then said, nah, I'm just kidding, which that would have been mean. The I boyfriend the whole, did it to his own girlfriend. Yeah, but the that fact that been they really set it up mean. as the friend did it to both of them, that's funny to me. Because the friend picking on his own friend is funny. Him doing that to his gr- own girlfriend would have been too far. So, yeah, yeah. This, this is funny yeah. to me. Yeah. The guy. But obviously, a, yes, fake. Yeah. So, if they want to spend $500 for a fake to go viral on YouTube, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Um, Whatever. T- Todd Takei at Tooth Takei. 
punch for using Goldilocks method? Question mark. <laughs> I've only heard Jason use it. See you at Jingle Fest. <laughs> yeah, sure. I still don't know what this means, the Goldilocks thing, and I'm okay with that. You don't need to explain it. It's, yeah, we, the more, we don't, don't need to give any more attention to that stupid phrase. But okay. um, I hope, since Todd, uh, he is listening, he need he did hear me say that. I hope he also heard me say that I'm good at fighting, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe Maloney at Joe the ITO. He quoted a tweet from the Biloxi Shuckers at Biloxi Shuckers. Um, and I looked looked them up. They are double A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Anyway, Joe said, maybe In Mississippi. A, yeah, well, that's my guess. Yes, maybe mm-hmm. a new speaking of tangent tangent segment. Forget pronounce this. It's time for write this three exclamation points. And this is what he's referring to the the tweet from the Biloxi Shockers Shuckers, not Shockers Shuckers, which is actually a <laughs> it actually turns out to be a poll. Here's the question. The boys in the booth need clarification. How do you write your number seven? And um, they're saying with or without the line through the middle. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. But first, who are the boys in the booth? I'm I need clarification on who talking. are the boys in the booth. <laughs> My guess is that the boys in the booth were calling the baseball game. And oh, okay. they were discussing this. And then they tweeted it out to their followers. Mm-hmm. Now the poll came back. Should I give the response? Should I give the answer to the poll, or should you and I just tell each other what we do first? No, let's do both. Uh, whichever order you want to do it in. Okay, so without the line through the middle, just a regular seven. Seventy-five percent mm-hmm. people do that. Twenty-five percent of people put the line through the middle. Mm-hmm. I, I put am, the line through the middle. I am one hundred percent in the minority. Yes, I'm lying through the middle. So we're both in the minority. Mm-hmm. I am I, I am an engineer by education or, you know, started out that way in, in by trade. Used to mm-hmm. be. <laughs> I've been an engineer before in my life. So, yes, I write sevens and zeros with lines through them. So do I. I didn't always cool. do that, but probably since college. Um, I started in high school when I, when I had a math teacher who was doing that like that. I and think it was because my handwriting was so messy that I couldn't always tell when I'd read back. <laughs> so I then changed the way I made my ones, too. I, um, mm-hmm. I put the line on the bottom of the one. Mm, I don't do that, but um, yeah. And then I seven, put the line through the zeros. seven. Yeah. Yep. And zeros totally. I put the line through. So yep. um, we're in the minority. Yeah, what kind of, you know... <laughs> Simpletons is in the seventy five percent here. Come on. Okay, now we'll finish up with food. Just, just they like probably go to these vape shops. <laughs> probably. Name ridiculous stuff. Yeah. James Cunningham at James IV nineteen seventy eight. I have so many responses to this week's episode. My major issue is that barbecue pizza isn't pizza. Pizza consists of dough, sauce, cheese, and pepperoni. That's it. That's the list. This is the hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> I I don't care what you call it. Call it call it barbecue carb circle pie. I'm still eating it. I'm going to eat it whatever you want to call it. I would call it more like a chicken fajita. <laughs> I think that kind of rolls off the tongue better than barbecue, barbecue carb circle, circle pie. Yeah, whatever you said. Yeah. And it's not really carb, it's more protein. That's full of carbs because there is dough on it. Yeah, but contrary to what James is saying, there. Well, he didn't say there wasn't dough, dough in every pie and pizza. 
So the thing that you're adding would be protein in the chicken. So it would be, you'd really want to focus on the protein there. If you wow. know what I'm saying. There's pepperoni on the cheese that, on the food that he's. Doesn't have to be though. No, but that's but what, it's he's, what saying. he's saying. Yeah. And he's wrong. So, but I mean, we've already covered this. Come on. When it comes I, to food, right. me and him don't see eye to eye, and I think you and him don't see the eye, to, eye to eye. No, so, you know. I don't think we do. And, and he's he's taller than both of us, so I think he definitely he's, he's definitely taller than me. Yeah, I think he's taller than me too. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard to see eye to eye. Certainly, you and him do not see eye to eye on anything. Absolutely not. And of but, course, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, not on any. Well, we don't. We don't. Uh, if you're being literal about it, we don't. Literal, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are always literal here. We're never big figurative. And okay, uh, Oreos. <laughs> we are literally never figurative. And on Oreos, and specifically these cherry cola Oreos, Scott Jenkins and SEJ three two six. I was listening to the pod while shopping and went to the cookie cookie aisle after learning of the existence of cherry cola Oreo. Sadly, they didn't have any. I'd like to try them. Although we disagree on that, definitely cereal, then milk. I've never thought to do it the other way. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. First off, I think he meant to say, gladly they didn't have any. I would not like to try them. I think I'm, we're going to do a time correction for his yeah. email. Yeah. But um, he's 100% right about the cereal milk thing. And I'm shocked that we didn't have anybody else write in and say, yeah, are people crazy? I know. I've never heard of such a thing, putting in milk and then cereal. That's insane. Uh-uh. And by the way, the Hall of Famer said to me, yeah, good catch because good, I'm glad you corrected yourself because no, I don't put anything on my oatmeal. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's I, I, like I caught it. I caught it. I instantly corrected yeah. myself. You did good. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Scott should listen and not buy these things. should listen to Jen Babish and Smitty Scoop, final, our, okay. our final two tweets of the day. Uh, Jen Babish at J Bab Sports Chick says cherry cola Oreos not good taste like chemicals, <laughs> <laughs> which I a hundred percent can believe. I can totally see that. And she put the what's that little green uh, dot there? Yeah, pukey face, green pukey face. Okay. Yes, that's seems about right. And Smitty Scoop at Smitty Scoop. Speaking I, of that, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I considered Jason's recommendation for the cherry cola Oreos, but I couldn't turn down the buy one get one free offer. The verdict. So he bought them. He bought them. The verdict. This is my anti-recommendation, I think is what he, he means. No, he's Recommending saying he cons- not eat them. Yeah, he's considering your anti, which I think we both recommended, but I think Do that's what he's saying. Them. Yeah, don't buy them. Yeah. But anyway, he bought them, and he says, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage said, quote, they taste like something you eat at a sleepover party and then throw up. Unquote. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not that's a awesome. ringing endorsement. Shad may want to change his idea, his mind once <laughs> once he listens or once he listens to. I it. think that's the perfect expo- the perfect description of these things. Mm-hmm. Without having had them, I I can see that totally. Yeah. That's that's a good illustration. Right and there. he included a picture of who I assume is his daughter holding the Orioles next to the buy one get one sign. Yes. So I don't know. Yeah, if- that 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 was not his wife in the picture, though. No. <laughs> well, that's not what I meant, but yeah. So his wife th- thought that, but I don't know what his daughter's opinion of them was. Well, I mean, that's kind of, as a kid, I mean, I'm sure if I gave my kids these things, they would eat the entire package of them if I would let them, and then they would go throw up later because they would eat too many of them. Well, that might kids be are, kids are, <laughs> kids are like dogs sometimes with food. Like, I have to 
we have to yes. put like cookies up on high shelves and you know cupcakes and stuff or not just buy a bunch of it because if we do they will go in there and they will sneak it and they will eat and eat and eat until they literally get sick so yeah well which which uh, once makes again, sense with the sleepover. Kids that's are pretty much more the people that are going to be eating them with the sleepover. Totally. The kids, yeah. So now, that's the perfect, perfect description of these crazy things. I got a text from my friend Sarah last night who said her daughter went to an Oreo blind taste test at the library the other day. Uh, wow. And her daughter, um, oh, it's been so long since I've seen her daughter, but I'm going to guess maybe she's 15, 14, maybe younger. I don't remember. Sorry, well, Sarah. Well, she probably aged... If it's been a while since you saw her, she's probably aged, you know, the amount of time that it has been since you saw her. I know, but I can't remember. <laughs> she's maybe, she. I think she's over 12. She's somewhere between 12 and 15. Anyway. Uh, so she, probably a good sleepover age kind of. Yes. But she was at the library, which is interesting. I, I would I would participate in this taste test at the library. A sleepover at the library you participated no, in? It, did, it didn't say it was a sleepover. It said it was a taste test. Oh, okay. She said almost all of them were gross. The coconut thin was, quote, better than expected, unquote. So this is well, a young I mean, girl saying they were gross. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have boots on the ground firsthand. Probably the target demographic that these things are sent towards, besides, you know, 40 and 50-year-olds that, <laughs> you know, remember Oreos as kids and remember all these things. Hey, this would be awesome if you put these two things together. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, I would say that the majority of these are are. Purchased and eaten by, not purchased, but eaten by 10 to 15 year old boys and girls. Probably. I mean, what, yeah. 10 to 15 year old, what else? I mean, what, what are the 10 to 15 year old dogs? I mean, <laughs> well, my 10 to 15 year old dogs would certainly eat these and would probably throw them up afterwards. Probably, yes. Cause, yeah, and then eat them again. Not good. Yep. So that, that's it. That's it. Nice. Do you have anything else? No, except to say it was awesome talking to Shad, and Mm -hmm. it was cool talking to you, too. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. I I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It was cool that you were cool, yeah. No, it was cool talking to you. Did I ramble too much? No, but I did. I told you we both do it. That wasn't wasn't a lie. Yeah, I blame you. Okay. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Speaking of Tangents is brought to you by K.J. Onstead and Jason Fuse. Hosted by Jason Fuse and K.J. Onstead. Created by K.J. Onstead and Jason Fuse. Music written and performed by Jason Fuse. Lyrics and vocals by K.J. Onstead and Jason Fuse. Edited by Jason Fuse. Speaking of golf, I've been golfing twice now since um, all of our snow finally melted. And talk about living under par, I saw lots of birdies. I saw a blue jay. He was acting pretty aggressively, actually. Uh, I saw a robin and a chickadee, even a junco. It was all very amusing. Graphics by Jason Fuse. I love snow peas. And I love you. Bye-bye.